Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Tooth Be Told. This is Dr. Walter Aka. And Dr. Will Cradock, as always. Today we have a, a special guest. I know we say that sometimes, but today I actually mean it. Um, uh, we have uh, Dr. Jacob Dent uh, with us today. Uh, Dr. Dent, say hello. Hello, everyone. How are we doing tonight? <laughs> yes. Uh, um, Dr. Dent, tell us a little bit about you, your, your, your history, um, where you went to school, uh, how you got into dentistry. Sure, sure. Uh, I, uh, I've been in dentistry now, uh, practicing for 16 years. Uh, I went to, uh, born and raised in Louisiana. So I went to LSU, uh, just like good at any old good Louisiana boy would. Um, <laughs> of course. Grad- graduated there in, uh, 2003. Um, and then from there, uh, kind of began my, uh, dental journey and, uh, you know, from, from private practice all the way to where I am today. So. Okay. And okay, and before we begin, I kind of want to just say, is LSU ever going to beat Alabama? That's all I ask. Um, we don't like to talk about that uh, <laughs> until until closer to the November time frame. Thank okay. you. Okay. There you go. Okay. Well, <laughs> the reason why we brought you on is because um, unlike many dental offices and unlike many dentists, you deal with uh, special needs patients. You know, you actually have a clinic that you opened up for special needs uh, patients. So I kind of wanted to start from the beginning and, and ask you, if you don't mind, how you got into this and how you came about opening up a whole clinic for special needs patients. And a lot of people wouldn't know this, but, uh, you know, most special needs patients are dealt with by, like, pediatric dentists and, you know, people of, of that sort. But you said, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and start a dental, uh, dental clinic for special needs and go from there. So start from the beginning and let us know how you got into the whole special needs avenue. Sure. Well, like I said, I graduated uh, back in 2003, and, and like most uh, general dentists, I had very little to no training uh, with special needs patients. Um, you know, the, the the class that we took was basically, if it's a special needs patient, it goes to pedo or, uh, you know, any type of hospital uh, dentistry for the adult patients. And so I didn't have any exposure to it at the time um, as as kind of um you know the the way that the world works um i had my my child uh, was born in 2005 my son and um uh, we had his uh diagnosis in 2006 that he was autistic and so we moved forward um kind of like most parents do with just a i have no idea what i'm doing mm-hmm. and right. you know um and we got we got very uh, very detailed as far as what autism was, what what uh, the diagnosis really meant from a, a parent standpoint, and you know it just it really just kind of imprinted on me, you know, what kind of effects this has on me as a, a father, um, and what could I do to help those um, that were going through the same thing as a doctor, and so as time went on. Um, I, I kind of got, it, it just kind of grew on me. And, and back in 2016, uh, I had the opportunity to, uh, convert half of my dental practice here in Sugarland to be sensory integrated. And what that means is we basically just took the half of the office and we just made it, uh, more of a sensory friendly environment. So we took, took things, um, that made going to the dentist a little more stressful. Um, you know, just the, the sights, the sounds, the smells. And we try to, we try to put that in the uh, context of what 
uh, a child or an adult with special needs uh, goes through when they go to the dentist. And so, so from there, um, you know, it, it kind of grew and it grew very rapidly because there's such an epidemic out there right now of, of special needs patients looking for dentists. And, and more importantly, there's, there's parents and therapists that are looking for, uh, dentists who are willing, not, not able, but willing to work with them, uh, to do the basics of just brushing teeth every day. And so, you know, I took my own personal experience. Uh, with my own son and I said, you know, if I can do this with my own child and how I taught him how to be self-sufficient, uh, with brushing his own teeth and, you know, I could do that with other families. And, um, you know, I realized quickly that part of the struggle, uh, was, um, you know, there was children who were being seen by pediatric dentists. Um, and that necessarily wasn't a bad thing, but, once they got to a certain age or a certain size, um, then there wasn't many pediatric dentists who were willing to still see them. And from there, it became, they become, it kind of became forgotten about. Uh, and most of them, if they did get to see anybody, they were having to go to either the dental schools or to, you know, a hospital setting where they were just being sedated for just the most common things like brushing their teeth. And I wanted to change that. So how that, uh, even developed more is, um, I met Dr. Stephen Perlman, who's the founder of the Special Olympics, uh, back in 2016 in, at a conference in Vegas. And, um, from there, that kind of grew, uh, into a, uh, a common relationship where he and I toured the country for three years and lectured on special needs, uh, to dentists and caregivers. And, um, I became the clinical director for Special Olympics for Texas and Louisiana. And really just started to focus my practice mainly on just special needs, uh, being an advocate for those with intellectual disabilities and physical disabilities and kind of becoming a home for those who didn't have anywhere else to go. Yeah, man. And I've actually been out to Dr. Dent's uh, facility and seen it. It's really awesome. Um, you would not think that it's a, a dental office. Um, I, I think it can't be stated enough that there's, very little education that you, you get in dealing with uh, special needs um, um, patients coming out of school. And so I was actually able to attend one of these lectures with uh, Dr. Jen and Dr. Perlman. And I learned a lot just in a, a couple hours um, that I had no idea uh, just as far as uh, how to treat basic needs and then knowing when to refer out. Because I do think there's a giant hole of of adult uh, patients who are kind of uh, face these obstacles of just finding someone who will see them. Yeah, there's, uh, you know, the the struggle right now is most people want to, and I say most people, I, I'll um, I'll kind of reference that is most dentists um, either don't feel confident because they didn't have the training to do it in dental school, or their first knee jerk reaction is if they're not willing to, you know, uh, sit down, open their mouth, and be still, then we have to either sedate them or refer them for hospitalization, and you know, I I have come to the conclusion that that is, that is the last thing that I will ever do to a patient. So, you know, I mean, unfortunately, um, you know, not many, uh, pediatric dentists are six four two forty like I am. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> you know, you, you don't, you don't have necessarily, uh, you know, the opportunity to, um, physically handle patients who are that size themselves and mm-hmm. are combative, uh, without sedation. But, 
you know, I looked at it as I've got a, I've got a child with special needs who is now 15. Uh, he's getting to that stage where, you know, he, he can be combative at times and he can be a handful. And, you know, um, I, I, I would never want someone to sedate him for, for something that was unnecessary. And so, um, like I said, you know, it, it, it is a complete, um, 180 from what most dentists do, but I'm very encouraged, uh, just this week, CODA, which, uh, sets the dental accreditation for dental schools, uh, just passed a law that said that all dental schools in the country have to, uh, provide special needs training for the undergraduate program, which is super exciting. That's awesome. Wow. That's really, that's a really big deal. You know, and I'll just speak for myself. When I was going through school, we had a special needs department, but most of the time what I saw were kids coming in or even, you know, uh, older kids or adults coming in and being sedated immediately. And so for me to hear that, you actually say that's the last thing that you want to do kind of gives me a lot of hope because that means that you've actually kind of mastered a technique to help these uh, patients. So can you give us like kind of a rundown? If a patient were to come to your office, what is the first thing you do? You know, do you uh, sit down and talk to mom and, and dad along with the patient together? Like, give us a little rundown of what, what the steps are to before treatment. Sure, sure. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, what a first visit looks like in my office. So so when you go to a dentist, they always give you this health questionnaire. They just ask you all your dental background. Um, what I realize is that has nothing uh, important when it comes to special needs. So, so I developed a uh, questionnaire that is really uh, based on what a parent wants the dentist to know, uh, as regards to what are the things that trigger their kids? You know, is it, is it loud sounds? Is it bright light? Is it certain tastes, textures? You know, uh, think about it this way. If, if your kid goes to a dentist and everything's going great and you know that they don't like mint flavored toothpaste and the dentist offers mint flavored profi paste, it just goes to hell in a handbasket real quick. Oh, easily. Um, and, easily. And so, so, but if you know these things, it's great. Now, I will tell you, this is, so this is how it goes. We, we do this questionnaire, and then I give my parents and patients an hour uh, of my undivided attention. I don't, I don't see anybody else in my practice, and there's nobody else uh, in the rooms on my sensory side at that time. And what that does, it allows everybody to just kind of decompress. It takes the stress out of it. And so, you know, I don't have any expectations of what's going to happen or not happen. The whole part for that visit is just for the parents to kind of vent, let me know their struggles, and for me to evaluate, you know, how the patient uh, at the time is responding. So, you know, we created a sensory room, and it's got everything. I mean, it's got everything from uh, iPads to TVs to I even put a trampoline in my office just for those that need to get a little little excitement out. Uh, but I'm about to come you know, to your office. <laughs> You know, hey, yeah, hey, you know what? Uh, the hard part is keeping my staff out of the bus. I know that's too. right. Uh, so, so you know, one of the things that is actually the best uh, possible way of doing this is uh, there's a golden rule that I have, which is uh, a new person in a new environment is a bad result. And so, if you take any special needs child or adult and you bring them to a dental office, medical office, anything, and you expect that to go well, you don't know what you're doing. And so. So what I do is I ask the parent very simply, how is brushing going at home? And what I found is that 
most parents will lie to you. Um, they will tell you, oh, it's going great. You know, they, they're very receptive to it. And they, you know, they, they let me do this or that. And so what I actually do is I actually let the parent be the dentist for the first visit. Okay. I love that. Well, no, no, go, <laughs> go in depth with that. Actually, I, I want to, because I feel like that's something that anybody, I don't care if you're doing special needs or just dealing with kids could actually learn from. So please go in depth with that. Explain more. Sure. So, so what I do is I ask the parent, I say, so where do you brush their teeth? You know, is it standing in front of the bathroom sink? Is it in their bed? Is it, you know, in the kitchen? You know, because I don't care. Is it laying, sitting, standing, wherever it is? But I, what we try to do is we try to replicate exactly what it is at home. Because the key to special needs is it has to be consistent. So if you want them to brush uh, while sitting down, then I tell the parent, you know, put a chair in the bathroom while you brush their teeth. So it teaches them how to sit while someone else brushes their teeth. So I have the parent, and they say, okay, well, most commonly they say, well, we do it in the in the bathroom. Okay, great. Well, we walk to the, the bathroom in the office, and I give them a toothbrush. I say, show me how it looks. And, you know, this kind of really starts to, to get everybody in a calm sense, you know, because uh, what I'm looking for is I'm looking for if the child is going to respond to simply brushing their teeth with the parent, because if that goes bad, then I know I ain't got a chance for him or her to do well with me. Now, at the same time, what this also does is if the parent says, look, man, we are struggling, it's a fight, it's a, you know, uh, we even avoid brushing because we just don't want to induce a meltdown at the end of the night. And so I say, okay, well, show me what that looks like. And, you know, sometimes, you know, what they say is going well looks almost like a WWE wrestling match. Um and and that really becomes, you know, it's stressful for the, the patient, it's stressful for the parent. And so that's really where we take the time and we start to coach the uh, parents on easier ways to get this done. And so we do everything from uh, simple, what what's called ABA therapy, for those that don't know, it's applied behavioral analysis. Um, and so it's basically breaking uh, anything down into simple steps. So if I said, hey, brush your teeth. And you would say, okay, I take a toothbrush, I put toothpaste on it, I wet it, I put it in my mouth, I brush for two minutes, rinse it, put it up. Okay, so you take those few simple steps. And for someone that, let's say, has autism, you may have to break that into 40 steps instead of five. Um, and so it's just basically taking each individual and treating them that way. Just like we, we treatment plan each individual for their long-term care, you have to treat each individual with special needs to just get them to do the basics. But if you don't understand behavioral therapies uh, that they're going through, uh, then it's a challenge for the dentist. And so one of the things that I actually encourage dentists who uh, are new to the, the special needs environment is actually ask the parent, are you currently seeing a behavioral therapist? Or, you know, what therapies are you doing? And then ask the parent to bring the therapist to the office with them. Because then now, man, you've got a village of people that are working around the same uh, goal. And, you know, then you get the therapist to actually practice that every day. Because as I, I, I tell Dennis when I go around the country and lecture on this, I was like, you don't have the uh, abilities, uh, nor does the parents have the money to go to the dentist every day and repeat the same basic schedule. Uh, however, they do that with behavioral therapists uh, in schools. So as long as everybody's on the same page, man, it's like you're doing you're doing it, but someone's 
kind of being your, your vehicle for you. And so, uh, you know, we've developed a program. Uh, I've even developed a sensory take-home kit uh, that has all the tools that we use in a dental office for a parent and a caregiver to practice outside of the office. Uh, and that allows them to not be so anxious when they come in because it won't be the first time uh, that they've seen it. Wow. Awesome. Okay. Um, so as we progress, right, so now you've gotten through the first uh, few um, uh, appointments, right? And now mm-hmm. we're at a stage where we have to do something, right? So we've learned to brush. Sure. Them. So what do you do? And do you have any, um, you know, uh, equipment that you use to basically allow the patient to kind of feel comfortable so that you can actually get treatment done on them. Again, you said that you don't sedate. So now I'm guessing the no. techniques that you use or other products that you use to help you uh, get your work done. Sure, sure. Well, and, you know, and this is this is where it, I call this one of my battlegrounds. Um, and I always ask the parent on my questionnaire, I say, you know, there's three different types of treatment that you can have. There's desensitization is that's where you have the multiple appointments, behavioral therapists, and you're working to get rid of those anxieties and you're basically uh, training them to get through a dental appointment. The second thing is protective medical stabilization. And that that's anything from simply a mouth prop that keeps their mouth open all the way to a protective stabilization device uh, such as a uh, rainbow board uh, or a jelly board um, in dental school, they use, or in medical uh, uh, hospitals, they use papoose boards. Right. But, you know, a lot of people have this, um, I guess, I guess a, a misunderstanding of what protective stabilization is. Because for those with special needs, for example, my son, my son loves that firm pressure. And so, you know, when I first started this, I, I'd have my stabilization boards. He would actually go get them out of a closet put it on the floor, strap himself into it, and watch TV because it was like a, a sleeping bag. Right, like a, like uh, a hug, yeah. Right. And so, see, most people think, when I say protective stabilization, they go straight to white-padded room right. with, mm-hmm. you know, you're strapped to a table. Well, that is the farthest thing from it. Uh, you know, what we do is, now, I will always preface this as saying, there are certain cases, for example, if I've got a patient who is, you know, um, a large adult who's psychotic, uh, that is aggressive, and who is just, you know, he he or she cannot physically control themselves, then we don't have any other choice to go to sedation for their protection. Right. So, you know, I always say that, you know, sedation is never out of the, the realm, but, you know, it's not our first knee-jerk reaction. So... Uh, there, there are two devices that I use, uh, almost on a daily basis. Uh, one of them is called a rainbow board. Uh, and it's, it's a, it's a flexible board that fits into our dental chair. And it is nothing more than two pieces of Velcro with netting. So we don't strap the patient's hands down. We don't, they can still freely move. All it does, it gives them a little hug, but it keeps their hands from coming to their mouth, which protects them from the objects that we are using, like, needles or drills or things that could harm them. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, uh, from a company called Specialized Care Company, uh, their arm stabilizers or leg stabilizers, uh, I call them no-nos, which is basically, it goes from your uh, bicep to your forearm, and it's just a, pe- a piece of Velcro, uh, but it doesn't allow you to bend your arms. So it, we call it our robot arms. So basically, you can't bend your arms. You just kind of 
going around and around. And so again, it, it prevents them from bending their elbows to get to their mouth, which is, uh, again, sometimes, um, necessary when we're trying to do dental treatment. And it's just for the patient's protection. It's not because, oh, they're being bad. So we want to, you know, we're going to do this as punishment. Don't ever do that. Um, you know, uh, and, and even stabilization, uh, is a last resort. Now, a lot of people like to do things like, um, nitrous, you know, laughing gas. Well, unfortunately for those with like, you know, I always reference my own son because that's, that's just, uh, you know, a personal experience, but you have to have, you have to have the understanding that someone with a sensory issue is not going to like something on their face for 20, 30 minutes. And then very rarely are they going to say, well, okay, look, for this to work properly, you have to breathe in and out only through your nose. Because for a dentist, if you breathe, if a patient breathes in and out their mouth, the nitrous, everybody in the room is having a good time except the patient. Exactly. Right. You know, and so, so those are the things. And so I will tell you what I do is I, I have a parent come in and I do this all the time. When they say desensitization, stabilization, or, um, sedation, and they say, look, no matter what, we do not want to stabilize our child. Um, and I say, okay, well, let's talk about that. And so, so normally it starts with, show me what it looks like at home. And I will see a parent, what looks to be almost like a headlock. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Put a kid in a headlock and start, and I say, what you're doing is more invasive than what I will ever do with protective stabilization. And then they'll say, or, or the parent that says, you know, we've only been sedated for all of our dental visits and that's what we want to do. And so, you know, and especially those that have to go in the hospital setting. And so I remind the parent, you know, traumatically, sedation is the most intense form of stabilization because someone can be sedated, aware of what's going on, and can't physically move. Right. And so so I tell them, you know, even if they say, okay, well, let's, you know, sedation is where we want to go. So I tell them, so you understand they are still going to physically restrain your child to then put in the IV, and then while they're doing the work, they're still tied to a bed, you know. And most most parents don't really understand that uh, because it's not something that they see. Um, and so, you know, a lot of this is just education. A lot of this is just making sure that everybody understands, you know, what it is that's out there uh, and what options they have. But the other side effect of this, and this is strictly as a, um, you know, being a parent and a doctor at the same time, you know, you have to understand Oral sedation very rarely works on patients with intellectual disabilities because it can have a reverse effect. Right. So like my son, if I give him Benadryl, he's doing cartwheels upstairs, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to being somewhat sedated. And so you can do an oral sedation and get a completely different result than what you're expecting. Um, so there are so many different avenues that can be addressed simply by uh, you know, working with the parents, working with the child and any therapist, as well as, you know, understanding what other uh, possibilities are out there, because I'd so much rather use some form of protective stabilization if necessary to get a, a dental procedure done. And then as soon as we're done, the patient pops up, they're happy, and a parent doesn't have to go home and watch their kid like a hawk to see if they're coming out of their sedation, you know, without any complications. So... Um, there are a few other little tricks and, you know, uh, nuances that I, I use in, in my, uh, in my office and in my lectures when I do this. Um, 
But, uh, you know, that's the gist of it, you know, and it's just, uh, it's, a, it's a completely polar opposite way of thinking about it because it takes more time. It takes more, uh, patience. And for, you know, for us, uh, just like medical, everything is around time and money, unfortunately. And, you know, if someone can't fit into a normal time frame, then our first concern is, okay, well, then let's sedate them so we can just do it, you know, easier for ourselves. And that's just, that's just not how I work. So with, you know, with all of this, there's a lot of, of parent engagement. Um, and do you ever find it hard to engage the parents? Do you ever run the case where the parents are the biggest roadblock into the, in the, in the child or the, the young adult getting treatment? Um, you know, I will tell you this. Um, uh, when parents come in, they, they are more anxious than the patient because one, you know, they don't know who you are. Uh, you may be a great referral for someone, but even when they come to me, you know, and they say, okay, um, I, I'm just, I'm very anxious. I don't know what to do. And you can tell, you know, they're very standoffish. And for, unfortunately, most doctors, uh, don't take the time to just sit and talk with them. Um, you know, they just, and, and sometimes parents just want to be heard. They want to vent. They want to tell you about their child. And it's amazing if you just sit there and listen for 10, 15 minutes of, you know, tell me your story. All of that anxiety goes away because they now know that you're, you're actually there to do what's best for their child. And sometimes, you know what? Uh, it's not going to be that day. And I'm okay with that. You know, uh, I'm just here to let them know, Hey, look, you've got a home. Uh, we're here to help. And, and, you know, we're going to get through this together. And I, I love, I love the stories of when parents come in and they're just so anxious and you can just see the stress on their face because in their mind, this is just another doctor visit that's not going to go well. They just want to get done, get out and deal with the ramifications when they get home. And if you can make that a relaxing experience for them, you have made a patient for life. Okay. Um, so I have one, I have two things, I guess. First one is you're absolutely correct about the sedation. Five to 15% of patients, non, non-special needs actually, um, will have an adverse reaction to the oral sedation. And I feel like a lot of people don't understand that there is that other side to oral sedation that no one ever talks about. You know, they think that, okay, I'm going to give a patient Halcyon or, or, or another, um, Valium or something like that. And everybody's supposed to act the same way. And that's not the case, you know, and I'm, I'm guessing in your situation is probably even higher of a percentage, correct? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's this story after story of patient came in, uh, they tried sedation, and it just didn't work. And then they were told their only options are hospitalization or nothing. Uh, and so, you know, unfortunately for the adult patient, that's where years of neglect come in. Uh, in this, you know, I see it daily of, Hey, you know, we haven't been to dentist in 10 years because we couldn't find anybody who was willing to see them without sedating them. Oh, wow. Okay. And then the next question for me is, um, when it comes to, um, the way you, uh, bill, uh, for these cases, do you go through medical insurance or is it all strictly dental? Well, uh, um, I mostly do just dental. Um, now there are certain cases with special needs where you, there are certain medical billing codes that can be used. Um, and so, uh, you know, it's a case-by-case basis. But, you know, for the 
the the basics as in regards to preventative um it is just uh dental insurance um you just can't really you can't look at things um uh that are medical billing cuz medical like i said it's it's a different uh, it's a different animal when it comes to uh dental uh procedures gotcha. my, my question is what would you want um general dentists to know before they refer a case um, of special needs, what, what would what would if you could say one thing to them or to get them to think a little differently, what would you say to those GPs? Well, I mean, the, honestly, it's, uh, I always end every one of my my lectures with um, just be willing to try, you know. And so, what here's my call to action for everyone is, as we all know in our in our weekly schedule. There's always one day, uh, and in that day, there's always, you know, a portion of that day that is so hard to fill. Let's call it, say, like Wednesday at 10 o'clock, you know, and it's like, man, we just can't fill that that spot. And so what I tell doctors that are attending my class, I tell them, look, if you're just willing to try, all I want you to do is pick the one day a week that is your slowest. And out of that one day a week, pick the one hour of the day that is just the hardest for you to to fill in. And what I want you to do is I want you to open that up just for a special needs patient. Don't book anybody else. Just book one special needs patient and expect that you're going to get paid nothing to do it. And whether you do or not, I want you just to take the time and just try to to see what you can do. And I promise you, is I will bet everything I have on the fact that that one appointment once people realize that you are just willing to try, that one appointment on your slowest day of your slowest hour will become your greatest sought-after appointment by patients with special needs. And I also tell general dentists, you know, so much money is spent on marketing and everybody's trying to, you know, uh, sell themselves uh, for patients and new patients. I have not spent a dollar on marketing of my special needs practice and I have I don't have an appointment available for three months. And could you That's, imagine? Yeah. Could you imagine? You know, being in a smaller town. I mean, you're in you're in Houston, and and Louisiana, right. correct? Yes. Right. And could you imagine being in a small town, having that you know that person that you know uh, does the special needs? Could you imagine what that would do one for your practice? Could you imagine what that would do for your just your your reputation? I mean, think about sure. it. You know. Well, you're you're doing a service for people, and you're doing something that nobody else is willing to do. And I have I have patients that are driving two to three hours one way just to come see me for a cleaning, and that's unheard of. Um, you know, I, I I will tell y'all a story. I had a patient, and this was back in 2016. I had a patient. He was 23 years old. He lived in Florida, and from uh, from what the parents told me, nobody would, was willing to, he was an autistic adult, nobody was willing to see him at all. And, and, I mean, they went everywhere in the entire state of Florida without sedating him. Wow. And this, and this, this adult had, was down to four teeth because all they did, every time they went in, all they did was, let's put him in a hospital, let's sedate him with full teeth. But nobody was willing to do any restorative work on him. So, they flew him for four visits over the course of about six months to my office, and between me and my oral surgeon, 
we did we did implants and fixed restorative bridges for him and got his mouth back into shape. But that's just that's just a a one example of here's a patient who had money, who was willing to pay it, but nobody was willing to see him. And that went from Florida all the way to Texas. I mean that mm. that is that is despicable in yeah, my book. I agree. You know? And so so if you're if you're a dentist out there listening to this podcast right now and you're going, Man, I need to find a way to grow my practice. Man, you know, I, I can't tell you anything more than you know, don't there there isn't a, a CE course on Crown and Bridge that's going to do for your practice what just being willing to open your doors to someone with special needs. And that can be, you know, what is a special needs patient? You know, uh, there's autism, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, epilepsy, cancer. And, you know, these are, and, and I just put in the last one because currently I'm going through my own cancer treatment right now. And I didn't really put uh, patients that are doing uh, chemotherapies and radiation as a special needs patient. But there are so many things about patients uh, on going through cancer treatments that have a need. And, you know, in, in Houston, in Houston, Texas, that has MD Anderson, which is probably in this country, the best cancer center in the, in the country. Absolutely. There is one, one dental oncologist in the entire city. Wow. I did not know that. Wow. There is, there's one, there's one dentist who is basically, um, that works with MD Anderson that has been designed that just focuses on cancer treatment. And that is, again, despicable for the amount of patients that are going through that hospital. Absolutely. And and I think people don't realize that when it comes to uh, cancer, especially oral cancer, when you go through radiation or chemo or anything like that, it, it literally destroys any of your salivary glands. Right, which then yeah. if you don't have saliva, now your ba- your the bacteria and and just having a dry mouth. I mean, just the uncomfortable level, and then on top of that, your teeth are just getting rotted away. Anything that yeah. I mean, your saliva protects your teeth, and you eliminate that. Now there's no protection for your teeth, so now your teeth are getting rotted away, and you have to figure out how do you go through this. And if you take a tooth out, you might actually end up with necrosis, meaning your bone just does not heal the way it's supposed to heal. You know, and and so yeah. you're absolutely correct. I mean, that should be considered technically a special needs uh, for dentistry. Yeah, you and know? and I will tell I will tell you another little pearl, and this is something that uh, you know on that on that standard of, of special needs, there are there are two things, the top two things that cause increased negative behaviors for patients with intellectual disabilities. Take a guess of what the two things that cause increased negative behaviors. I'll just oh boy, you put ask y'all. Uh, let me thank you. Uh, I'm guessing. Um, ooh, I'm guessing stress. Stress could stress be one of them. No, no, stress isn't one of them. Oh man, okay, good. Okay, un undiagnosed dental pain. Okay. And constipation. Oh whoa. Now I'm going to tell you about the second one. Here's here's how this is a vicious cycle. We all know about polypharmacy, right. okay? Mm-hmm. We know you know keep keep giving more drugs. So when a patient with an intellectual disability, especially a patient who is nonverbal, comes to an office and they're just negative behavior, and you look in their mouth and you see, oh my god, well they've got three broken teeth and abscesses. Well, it's been ten years because nobody was willing to see them. 
okay, great, treat their dental pain, all of a sudden their their negative behaviors go away, their their physical um, aggressions go away. The second thing is all antipsychotics, anti uh, you know depressants, mm-hmm. uh, everything causes constipation. Right. Right. And so when when you get when you have that, it again causes the negative behaviors. And so what do they do? Someone's nonverbal, they can't speak it, so they're getting more aggressive. They give them more of these drugs, which again clogs them up. Wow. It's a vicious cycle. And so when you're seeing a special needs patient, there are two questions I'd always ask. Let me see their drug history. Mm-hmm. And where when was their last dental visit? Because if I see, hey, look, it's been more than, you know, six months since their last visit. And, hey, look, they're taking 10 different antipsychotic, antidepressants, um, mood stabilizers, whatever. You know, ask the nurse, ask the parent, you know, when was their last BM? And you'd be surprised. I mean, it's even in, even for me personally with my own son, there were times he'd go a week without going. Wow. Without going. And that's when, that's when we notice his behaviors get more aggressive. Right. So, I mean, that, that's, that's like for I said, everybody. I, don't I know that's that, simple, simple that's things that we all need yeah. to be honest. Right. But wow. that's, that is, that is something that most people don't know and doctors and dentists don't know. So what do we do? We, we, we see a behavior or we see a problem, we give them more drugs. That's right. Well, you so don't that, realize that the drugs are causing behaviors. Wow. So can you, oh, man, this is beautiful. Uh, can I you know. sum this up by just, okay, so I, I mean, the first thing I want to say is how did people reach or get in contact with you? Because you've talked about your CEs. You've talked about, you know, your tours around the uh, universe, uh, universities and, and just around the U.S., so how do they get a hold of you so maybe they can come to one of your lectures or how do they get a hold of you so they can learn as much as you uh, can give? Well, there's, uh, I mean, the easiest ways, um, if you're a Facebooker, there's a Dr. Jacob Dent page. Uh, you can go there like that. And, you know, I, I do my best to, to stay pretty active on social media. Um, there is, um, uh, if you're on Instagram, it's uh, Special Needs Warrior. Um, and... Uh, Email at specialneedswarriordoc at gmail.com. Uh, and so whether you, you know, like I said, send me a message on social media or just email me. Um, this month I'm uh, speaking in uh, Louisiana uh, for a, a dental association. Next month I will be in South Carolina t- uh, speaking at the Medical University of South Carolina. Um, and then uh, I'll be back uh, locally here doing uh, lectures around uh, I'm really working. One of the things I'm really trying to uh, get into is, you know, autism conferences. I'll be at the Louisiana Autism Conference in October, uh, speaking at LaBerge Casino. Um, and, you know, like I said, I, I want to not only focus on dentists and their staff, uh, but I also want to focus on parents. I want to focus on uh, therapists, you know, like I said, because it takes a village to do this. And so the more that everybody's aware um, the more that everybody knows how to to do this and and be more preventative instead of just reactive, um, you know, it will make such a long term difference for these patients. That's awesome. You know, one thing that we're very proud of is a lot of it's not just dentists that listen to this podcast. It's a lot of just patients. You know, a lot of moms, dads, and 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 we hope that people actually listen to this and say, okay, you know what. 
I know somebody or, you know, I'm dealing with a patient who has special needs and could hopefully come to one of your lectures or at least get a hold of you so they can kind of learn as much as they possibly can from the home care point of view, you know? And I, and I hope that, you know, general dentists, like, like you said, take your call to arms and, uh, just, just try. Um, I think that was one of the biggest takeaways that I got when I heard uh, you and Dr. Perlman speak was, uh, I, I didn't know that I already possessed some of the tools to already help, um, to help these patients. And when I did, I, I, I was able to, to actually make some ground and it, it, it's not always about money. A lot of times it is in dentistry, yeah. but, uh, those are the type of things that make you want to get up, you know, in the morning and, and go to work when you know you're actually doing something, uh, you know, to, to help somebody in need who really, really appreciates it and a family who really yeah. appreciates it. So. And, and I will tell you this, Willie, uh, one of the, uh, one of the best things that I also tell, uh, my, the doctors who attend my courses is, if you want to grow your practice, treat a special needs patient because I guarantee you, like in my own family, I've got a special needs child, I've got a neurotypical child, and then my wife and I. And if you're willing to see the special needs child, I guarantee you the parents and the other child, if there is one, will be a loyal patient of yours as well. And, and um, you know, for all of the doctors, hygienists, staff members, whoever out there, um, that are interested, uh, may just want to see how it works. Um, I'm here in Sugarland, Sugarland Modern Dentistry. Uh, you are more than welcome to come and shadow, uh, and watch and see what we do. Uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm currently, uh, working on getting on faculty with, uh, UT Dental and Baylor Medical. They're doing a program that I'm helping develop with them on, uh, desensitization that they're actually they're actually doing, they got a grant for and they're doing research on just based off of what I started in my practice. Uh, and so, which is, it's amazing, uh, that we're, you know, we're seeing the needle move a little bit. And if you're a parent out there with a special needs child and you're just looking for a dental home again, you know, please give me a call. Um, I'll be back, uh, in the office, uh, first part of October. Uh, and you know, we'll, uh, we'll be more than happy to, to serve you and your family. Can you again give us that, uh, the office name, please? Sure. It's, it's Sugarland Modern Dentistry. Um, it's on the corner of 59 and 99. Uh, the number is 832 595 2100. That's it. That's awesome. Uh, well, I, I appreciate you, you spending some time with us. And I mean, this is, this was great stuff. Uh, I hope all our listeners, uh, really do listen to the call to, to, to action there. Um, but I, I, more importantly, you know, I want you to know our, our thoughts or prayers are with you. Uh, and I appreciate you just spending some time with us today and our listeners. I mean, honestly, he's incredibly busy, but yet he made a little bit of time for us, you know, on this podcast. So, again, it just shows how great we are. And <laughs> I don't know about all that. <laughs> no, honestly, thank you so much for coming on. We definitely appreciate it. And this is something that I, I truly believe that everybody should listen to. Dentists and non-dentists alike should listen to and, and at least grow your knowledge on how to deal and, 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 and handle, you know, people with special needs, you know, and I hope that we'll be able to bring you back on later on, uh, so we can kind of expand on this. You know, I know I'm going to get a lot yeah. of questions. So if we do, will you please come back on? Yeah. Anytime, guys. Like I said, uh, thank y'all for the opportunity to, uh, spread the word and, uh, you know, be an advocate for this group and, um, look forward to, to next time. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much. We appreciate it and go 
relax and, and, and get some sleep so that you can continue this hard work that you're doing. All right. Thanks, guys. Y'all have a good evening. You too. You too. You too. All right. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to Tooth Be Told. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at realdentist with an S at gmail.com. That's realdentist, R E A L, dentist with an S at gmail.com. Remember, the opinions on this podcast are just that our professional opinions. The final decision about your health should be made by you and a trusted dental professional.